0: M S W media Thanks to Avast for supporting The Daily Beans With Avast One you can confidently take control of your online world by helping you stay safe from viruses, phishing attacks, ransomware, hacking attempts and other cybercrimes Learn more about Avast One at avast.com News with Hello, and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, September 12, 2022. Today, Stephen Miller and Brian Jack have been subpoenaed by the federal grand jury investigating January 6th. Ukrainian officials relied on U.S. intelligence to plan their counteroffensive. The executive editor of The New Yorker says his sources claim the Department of Justice planned to put Christina Bob and Evan Corcoran in front of the grand jury. And Donald and the Department of Justice submit their recommendations for a special master as we await the judge's decision on the department's motion for a stay. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Dana is in the air. She's traveling today. She'll be back tomorrow morning. And I will be in D.C. tomorrow recording the beans with her. Super honored that President Biden and the White House have invited me to celebrate the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act. Also. If you're a patron, we're planning a meet and greet with me to have cocktails or mocktails in Cleveland downtown on Saturday, October 8th. We will email you for the details to the email address you signed up to be a patron with. So check your junk and just in case it goes into your junk folder, we'll be sending you the information. There will also be a meet and greet in November, probably on the 11th on Veterans Day in Scottsdale. Details to come. All right. With that, we have a lot of news to get to from over the weekend. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. (laughs) All right. First up, the Justice Department has subpoenaed two former top White House political advisors under Trump as part of a widening investigation related to Trump's post-election fundraising and plans for so-called false electors or fraudulent electors. And that's according to people briefed on the matter. Brian Jack, the final White House political director under Donald, and Stephen Miller, you know him, Mr. Trump's top speechwriter and senior policy advisor, they were among more than a dozen people connected to the former president to receive subpoenas from a federal grand jury this week. A dozen went out. The subpoenas seek information in connection with the Save America PAC and the plan to submit fraudulent slates of electors who pledged their votes to Trump from swing states that were won by Biden. And that's, of course, the 2020 election we're talking about. Trump and his allies promoted the idea that competing slates of electors would justify blocking or delaying certification of the Electoral College win for Biden during that joint session of Congress on January 6th. We remember it well. Now, a lawyer for Stephen Miller declined to comment. Brian Jack, who remains an advisor to Trump as well as to Representative Kevin McCarthy and several other House Republicans, he also declined to comment, (laughs) probably for the best. The subpoenas were issued to a wide range of people who either worked in the White House or on the Trump campaign, including senior officials like the campaign's chief financial officer, personal aides to Donald and the former chief of staff to Ivanka. So there's that. The Save America PAC was formed soon after Election Day in 2020, as Trump aggressively raised money on his baseless claims, the big lie. And um, that's also, you know, currently, as we know, being investigated by a federal grand jury. Among the recipients of subpoenas from a grand jury sitting in DC are relatively junior aides from the White House and Mr. Trump's campaign. While the subpoenas asked for information concerning the Save America PAC, they also sought communications with several pro Trump lawyers like Kenneth Cheesebro, who helped devise the fraudulent elector plan. Numerous subpoenas focused solely on the fake elector plan were sent to Republican state lawmakers and state Republican officials allied with Trump starting in the spring. Those subpoenas were signed by Wyndham, Tom Wyndham, a veteran federal prosecutor we know. We've been covering him, and he's been leading the inquiry into the scheme. At least one of the new subpoenas bore the name of a veteran fraud prosecutor, and still another had the name of a third federal prosecutor, Mary Dorman, and she's been working in recent months with Mr. Wyndham. Now, last month, for example, both Wyndham and Dorman filed appearances in a case brought by the lawyer, John Eastman, one of the architects of the fraudulent elector scheme, who is seeking the return of his phone. He wants his phone back. Uh, That's not going well for him. Brian Jack's role in the White House was generally confined to advising Trump on races further down the ballot. He's not been paid by Save America, but Stephen Miller has been paid by the Save America PAC since leaving the White House. But he is not known to have had a planning role in the elector scheme or the fundraising efforts, although he did discuss electors on television. On December 14th, 2020, the day the Electoral College met to cast its votes for president, Stephen Miller appeared on Fox News and announced that state lawmakers in several key swing states were in the process of sending an alternate slate of electors to Congress. And remember when I said Christina Bob should lawyer up because both she and Evan Corcoran were now fact witnesses in the Mar-a-Lago classified documents case because he penned that certification that everything had been handed over on June 3rd pursuant to a May subpoena? And she signed it saying, yeah, to my knowledge, everything that was classified documents that was moved from D.C. to Mar-a-Lago. She was very specific when she signed it. uh, Yeah, Christina Bob signed that. Well, get this. During an interview on the Sunday shows on MSNBC, New Yorker executive editor David Rode said his sources claim the Department of Justice investigators plan to put that pair of Trump's lawyers before a grand jury and give them a choice. You can uh, flip or, you know, perjure yourselves. You can be a witness or you can be a target. And according to the editor, this guy on, on the MSNBC Sunday show, investigators are focused on an attorney, former OAN host Christina Bob and attorney Evan Corcoran, both of whom they hope to put on the spot over their part in obstructing the Department of Justice. That's the Obstruction 1519 investigation and the one that carries the, the harshest penalty, 20 year max. Now, As the Washington Post reported, the evidence laid out by the Department of Justice suggests they could build a legal case that Trump attorneys Evan Corcoran and Christina Bob obstructed the government's investigation, allegedly telling FBI agents and prosecutors they had handed over all the classified documents, when in fact, many remained in Trump's possession at Mar-a-Lago. As Rode pointed out, uh, that could be trouble for both Trump and the attorneys, quote, It is a really serious thing to bring a case, most importantly, because you don't want to prosecute Donald Trump and have him acquitted at trial. And this was uh, him talking to Ali Velshi. My sense, he continued, is that they're just going to, as one person told me, investigate the heck out of this case, Mar-a-Lago and January 6th, which we kind of knew. Quote, these prosecutors are very good at this. The FBI is very good at this. And they're going to try to flip witnesses. The key thing you're talking about is the jeopardy that his lawyers in the Mar-a-Lago case face. I think they're going to put them before the grand jury, Corcoran and Bob, and get them to answer questions under oath. They will either implicate Trump, saying Donald Trump told me all the classified documents had been turned over when they had not. And if they lie, they will have implicated themselves in a crime. Pretty much word for word. What was, I guess the editor of New Yorker's listened to the beans. Hey, editor of New Yorker, how's it going? This is what I thought the Department of Justice would do. It sounds like they're doing it. And uh, I imagine the editor of the New Yorker has some pretty good sources. All right, from Kyle Cheney and Josh Gerstein. The Justice Department and the former guy presented dueling visions Friday night of the process and personnel for an outside review of documents seized at Mar a Lago last month as part of that search warrant. Prosecutors and lawyers for Trump each presented two options for a potential special master. And I gotta say, their picks on the Trump side are pretty awful. At least one of them is. But they didn't go the way I thought they would go. I thought for sure that Jim Trusty would have put forward himself because he, he sort of hinted at that during the hearing when we read those transcripts. But uh, they didn't put forth like Sidney Powell or, you know, Christina Bob or Alina Habba or Devin Nunes or anybody else who, like Ratcliffe or Rick Grinnell, anybody else who might have had a clearance that I thought that they would try to put forward. But they did put their picks forward to Trump Judge Eileen Cannon, who declared in an order Monday she plans to appoint a third party. As we know, she's going to appoint one. We just still have to figure out over what, what they're going to be looking through. The Justice Department proposed Barbara Jones, former federal judge, Bill Clinton nominee, and she has been the special master for both the Rudy Giuliani case and the Cohen case, both lawyers, by the way, as we know. Prosecutors also offered up former Federal Appeals Court Judge Thomas Griffith. That's a George H.W. Bush appointee who retired in 2020 from the D.C. Circuit. Trump proposed Raymond Deary. That's a retired chief federal judge and Ronald Reagan appointee in the Eastern District of New York who also served on the FISA court. Deary, who most notably presided over the corruption cases against the FIFA FIFA officials, I almost said FISA, I got FISA confused with FIFA, also signed one of the warrants, the fourth renewal for Carter Page FISA. So they actually put forth Raymond Deary, and I, I might go, go along with this guy. Trump's lawyers also nominated Paul Huck Jr., who appears to have significant ties to figures in Trump's orbit, former Jones Day attorney, advisor to Charlie Crist, In 2007-2008, serving in his administration at the same time Trump's current attorney, Chris Kyes, was advising Crist, who was then a Republican, but is now a Democrat. Huck is married to Barbara Lagoa. She's an 11th Circuit appeals court judge. Seems like a conflict of interest. The three-judge panel is soon expected to consider DOJ's appeal of Cannon's special master order, so mm, that's a little bit of a weird one. Another disagreement emerged over the timeline of the special master review. DOJ wants the review to be completed by October 17th, while Trump's attorneys argued it would take more than twice as long, requesting 90 days. Of course, that, this, this is their whole point, is to delay this. I'm just happy that we have that, well, we have that 60-day blackout and these delays can run concurrently. And like I said before, there's other stuff that can come out in the meantime, either through a gang of eight briefing or uh, more redaction bars coming off of the uh, unsealed search warrant affidavit. Cannon will now consider all the proposals as well as the DOJ's broader objections to the special master review before deciding next steps. Prosecutors have said if she does not act by Thursday of this week on their request to carve out the classified documents from the special master review and the stay that she put on criminal investigations but not national security risk assessments, which, as we know, the DOJ said those are inextricably linked, But um, she has to decide that, too. And if she doesn't by Thursday, they're going to appeal to the 11th Circuit, which is Atlanta-based. Justice Department has also asked Cannon to lift the portion of her Monday order that bars the investigators from reviewing, even reviewing the documents. So far, neither side appears to have formally rejected the other side's special master candidates, but prosecutors told Cannon that they'd only gotten Trump's names right after 6 p.m. on Friday. The main sticking point in the special master plans laid out by both sides seems to be that set of 100 documents with classifications markings, like top secret. In connection with their appeal filed Thursday, prosecutors are asking that the potentially classified records be excluded from the review process that the special master would undertake. Trump's attorneys say that material should also be subject to assessment by the special master. They argue that Trump has the right to see and potentially assert executive privilege over any classified records that qualify as presidential records. But he doesn't. There is no executive privilege for classified documents. That's stupid. Notably, in the Friday night filing, Trump's attorneys once again did not echo Trump's claim that he had declassified any of the materials he possessed at Mar-a-Lago. And that's one of the things that this DOJ, their motion for a stay over those 100 classified documents, sort of dares the Trump team to do. We dare you to say these are declassified. Go for it. Another point of disagreement? The bill. Who's going to pay the bill? Prosecutors say Trump should bear the entire cost since he's the one who requested the independent arbiter. Trump's team wants to go Dutch with each side paying half the bill. The next action in the legal fight is expected this morning when Trump's attorneys face a deadline 10 a.m. Eastern to respond to the Justice Department's request that can exempt the records with classification markings from the special master's review. Trump's lawyers signaled Friday they plan to oppose that carve-out. It'd be interesting to see what their argument is for a special master to review classified documents that belong to the executive branch and are necessary for two essential functions of the executive branch, criminal investigation and national security risk assessment. And a special master is somebody who goes through stuff to give things back to people who were searched like in the Rudy case. Anything she found that was attorney-client privilege, she'd send back to Rudy. But in order to do that, Donald has to prove he has possessory interest over these 100 classified documents, and in no universe does he. But the Department of Justice, like I said, has an ace up its sleeve. As Marcy Wheeler has pointed out, both houses of Congress are back in session this week, and the Department of Justice mentioned briefing the Gang of Eight in its filing. They have also gone back to Judge Beryl Howell to ask to unseal more of the search warrant affidavit before Judge Reinhart, who's the judge that signed off on the search warrant and released the redacted affidavit. Even with Judge Cannon's injunction, nothing is stopping the Department of Justice from briefing the Gang of Eight as part of an ongoing national security risk assessment, right? That's not part of a criminal investigation. That's what they're temporarily blocked from using these documents for. Although, if for some reason this judge decides that a special master needs to go through them, then that might delay a briefing. But, of course, the intelligence community already knows what's in there, and they don't need the documents to brief the Gang of Eight. So, anyway, and you know Congress doesn't do criminal investigations, so that's not part of, you know, the criminal investigation stay. And nothing blocks a Democratic member of the Gang of Eight from telling us what they learned in a briefing by the by the intelligence community. Except, of course, you know, they wouldn't tell us what the classified information is. So between the Gang of Eight briefing that could take place and the unsealing of additional information, including information about the subpoenas for additional documents that happened in May and the Mar-a-Lago surveillance video subpoena, we could learn substantially more than we already know. Again, none of which we would have learned had Donald kept his mouth shut. And as Marcy points out, This will keep the news of the stolen classified documents a point of discussion leading up to the election, during which the Department of Justice will not make any overt investigatory moves. I know everybody wants Donald arrested, but I don't think they're going to do that 60 days in the run-up to an election, even though he's not a candidate. He's the head of the party and he's endorsed several. I think they're going to err on the side of caution on that one. But this is rather brilliant if they decide to go that route. Brief the Gang of Eight and unseal additional information. Because it's, it's Trump who's demanding all this. And let's go over to Ukraine. Senior Ukrainian officials stepped up intelligence sharing with the U.S. counterparts over the summer as they began to plan the counteroffensive that allowed them to make dramatic gains in the Northeast in recent days, a shift that allowed the United States to provide better and more relevant information about Russian weaknesses. And that's according to American officials. Throughout the war, the U.S. has provided Ukraine with information on command posts, ammunition depots, and other key nodes in the Russian military lines. Such real-time intel has allowed the Ukrainians, who U.S. officials acknowledged have played the decisive role in planning and execution, to target Russian forces, kill senior generals, capture senior generals, force ammunition supplies to be moved farther from the Russian front lines. Just really cut them off at the knees. But early on, American intelligence officials said they often had A better understanding of Russia's military plans than of Ukraine's. Concerned that sharing their operational plans could highlight weaknesses and discourage continued American support, the Ukrainians were guarding their operational plans, even as American intelligence was gathering precise details on what the Kremlin was ordering and Russian commanders were planning. But as Ukraine laid its plans to strike back against the Russians, senior leaders in Kyiv decided that sharing more information with the U.S. would help secure more assistance. And senior U.S. officials declined to say how much details from the counteroffensive plans Ukraine had shared and how much advice the United States had offered. But one official said Americans had constantly discussed with Kyiv ways that Ukraine could blunt the Russian advance in the country's east. The gains in the northeast, including the recapture of Izium, a key railway hub, were the most important advances Ukraine has made so far. General Hodges said the recent successes indicate that Ukraine's efforts to retake land in the South and East could unfold more quickly than he previously assessed, even setting the stage for an attempt to retake Crimea. Other experts agreed the tide is turning for Ukraine. And by the way, that whole Southern counteroffense that we all heard about was disinformation put out to fuck over the Russians, and it worked. A clear message to all the fascists out there, Do not fuck with those of us who intend to preserve democracy, whether it's here or abroad. November is coming. All right, I'll be recording a bonus episode for patrons about the forthcoming book by Jeffrey Berman, the U.S. attorney Donald and Bill Barr pushed out of the Southern District of New York, and how they put their thumbs on the scales of justice in multiple Mueller investigations. That bonus content will be up sometime this week. For patrons to become a patron, just go to patreon.com slash wrote, You'll also become automatically a patron of The Daily Beans. You'll get get the premium ad-free feed of The Daily Beans. So that's pretty cool. All right, we'll be right back with the good news. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. It's important to take digital security seriously. Avast has been a global leader in cyber protection for more than 30 years, and is trusted by over 435 million users, preventing over 1.5 billion with a B attacks every month. Avast empowers you with digital safety and privacy, no matter who you are or where you are or how you connect. It allows you to enjoy opportunities that come with being connected on your terms. And now they're introducing Avast One. Avast One is their best protection yet, giving you everything you need to take control of your safety and privacy online accessible through an easy-to-use interface. Avast's privacy features keep your identity and actions hidden while online, while their security solutions stop malware, phishing, and virus attacks. Plus, their performance products clean up and speed up your devices. It's a trifecta, making your life safer and easier. Avast has a free version that includes all the essential features, such as a free antivirus, free VPN, and free firewall protection, because everyone deserves to feel safe and secure. Some of my favorite features, that firewall protection is huge, keeps my personal information secure, prevents attacks that seek to access my computer and steal my data. And their ransomware protection that secures photos, documents, and other files from being modified, deleted, or encrypted by ransomware attacks. Thanks to Avast for supporting the Daily Beans. Confidently take control of your online world with Avast One. It helps you stay safe from viruses, phishing attacks, ransomware, hacking attempts, and other cybercrimes learn more about avast one at avast.com that's a v a s t .com avast.com everybody welcome back it's time for the good news who likes good news everyone then good news everyone <laughs> Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, Halloween photos, I mean, you know, I take them all year, but it's coming up on Halloween again, might as well keep sending them. Any holiday photos, actually, that you want to send. Happy place photos, shout outs to, shout outs, is it shouts out, shouts out to people that you love? (laughs) The plural of shout out. Anything you want to send us, do it at dailybeanspod.com, click on contact. I also love to play What the Mutt. Send in your picture of your rescue pup, and I'll see if I can figure out what breeds, you know, are in there. I'm very bad at it, but it's fun for me anyway. And plus I get to see doggy photos. A heads up season four of Prevail with Greg Oliar is out now. Go see it. Greg's guests on this premiere include Craig Unger, friend of the show, author of American Compromat. Don't want to miss it. All right, let's go. First up on the block, anonymous pronouns she and her First time writer, 9 month listener. Allison mentioned D&D last week, so I wanted to write in to tell you. I played D&D for the first time yesterday, Saturday, September 10, 2022. I had so much fun. Managed to free and befriend two wolves and no one died. I call that successful. <laughs> I would like to thank my husband Lore. He had so much patience with me and it taking so long to play our first game. It took moving to another state a week before COVID to find three other people who haven't played before, so I'd feel comfortable enough to play. Thank you for being my favorite DM ever, Lore. My pet tax is my step cat, Alex, named after Alex Vance from Half-Life. Living her best life on her kitty heating pad, she can see where her people hang out, went home most of the time from there also. She can see us. That's so cute. Thank you for keeping us all informed with laughs during such rough times, political and personal. Quote, I've turned into a bit of a dice goblin over the last couple of years. Oh my goodness, you have a a mighty dice collection for somebody who just played their first game. And then look at the kitty. (laughs) Oh, a little long-haired, void, black kitty with green eyes. So beautiful. I can see the secret stripes. Hi, fluffers. Thank you for sending that. A little heating pad looks comfy. Oh, I appreciate that. And awesome. Yeah, D&D. It's, there's, it's so much fun. I also recommend highly. There's a new role-playing game called Kids on Bikes. That a friend of mine helped, helped create. It's, um, it's a, an RPG about... it. It's based on like Stranger Things. Kids on Bikes. Check it out. It's fun. All right, next up from Evan. Pronouns he and him. Lovely lady legume. Thank you for the daily booster shot of realistic optimism. I have a Halloween item for you. My wife grows orchids, tulips, roses, etc., and is truly amazing. But she found out that hair is great for protecting tulip bulbs from chipmunks. So she got a big bag of clippings from a hairdresser and plants the bulbs wrapped in hair. It works great because eventually the hair surfaces, and as the pics show, it results in what looks like a serial killer's mass grave, zoinks. On top of that, during the summer, she hangs her orchids on the tree, out front, on wooden structures that look really creepy, out of context. I call it the Blair Orchid Project. <laughs> Between those two things on our front porch, we are ready for Halloween. You, Dana, and your guests are a breath of fresh air. I can't wait for the podcast that comes if and when Donnie goes to prison. Keeping the faith. That will be a, a heck of an episode. Yeah, this looks creepy AF. I do see the Blair Witch Project uh, effect here. I definitely do. And I think you are ready for Halloween. Yeah, that's, yeah. (laughs) That is pretty creepy. But hey, you got to do what you got to do. I'd love to see some of the, like, final flowers, like, that aren't wrapped in hair and hanging from trees. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Next up from Jennifer, pronouns she and her. Hey, Beans Queens. Writing in again for a mashup of reasons, I sent pictures a few months back when my middle descendant graduated from community college They have transferred on to their next school where they will complete their bachelor's and then go on to their master's in PsyD. Anyhow, they made me a dog grandma this weekend and now we can play What the Mutt. Awesome. Meet Jabari, who was found on the side of a freeway somewhere in Southern North Carolina. The vet says he's about seven to nine months old. He is such a good boy. He took the three-hour car ride back to Richmond, Virginia, like a champ. My other bit of good news, is that I'm participating in my first art show at a local gallery next weekend. I fell in love with and found my inner artist during the COVID lockdown. Since finding resin and poor painting, I have found a new love that fills my empty nester time. I still feel like a bit of an imposter calling myself an artist since I'm an accountant by day, and those two identities don't normally go together. Jennifer, let me tell you something. I was a a tattooed comedian and also a PhD government executive. so you are an artist. I promise. Anyhow, she says, I can't wait to hear your take as to what kind of dog Jabari is. Look at this baby. Oh, I wish Dana was here. She always helps me with these so much better. Definitely Chow in there, although it doesn't look like it. A Pibble, Staffordshire, I'm going to say Pibble, Staffordshire, and Boxer. Pibble, Boxer, Staffy and Chow. Those are my guesses. Maybe Lab, but probably not oh, there's no answer. You didn't send in any answer. No breed info attached. So, hey, I must be right. <laughs> but thank you for sending in this beautiful baby. And uh, these paintings are beautiful. They remind me of like abalone against a night sky. You know what I mean? No you know what I'm saying? These are just truly, and I love the tile behind them as well. That's really lovely. It's kind of almost like Hubble or web photos. These are great. Thank you for sending that. And um, yeah, everyone's an artist. Come on. Next up, Michelle S. Pronouns she and her. Hello, beans queens. I haven't written in a while and I want to share a bit of good news with you. I tend toward loquaciousness, so this will be long. And for that, I apologize. I hope my storytelling abilities make up for it. Content warning up top as this starts gnarly but ends on a high note. Many of our good news stories do, Michelle. My birthday was in late August, and my darling husband had plans to take us to an Orioles game for baseball, crab fries, and burritos. As he had the day off, he decided to be industrious and clear fallen branches in the backyard with a sharp hatchet. Uh oh! While I was on a call, I heard him yell my name. As we were both musicians, I paused, as the pitch in his voice was unlike I'd ever heard. I brought my phone and rushed down to the basement. Whereupon I saw him on the basement floor, door ajar, his shirt off, wrapped tightly around his foot around which, content warning, blood was pooling. Turns out as he was splitting wood, he caught the top of his left foot with this incredibly sharp hatchet. The years-old lifeguard training within me activated and I instructed him to breathe calmly while I called EMS. In less than five minutes, six gloriously attractive first responders were in our home tending to him. They took him to the shock trauma unit while I quickly called my boss and explained that I too would be taking my birthday away from work. Remembering to grab his health insurance card, I followed the ambulance, got myself of any white chocolate frappe at the Starbucks in the hospital, and alerted assorted family members to the news while waiting for two hours in the waiting room. When I was finally escorted to his bedside, a calm, handsome orthopedic surgeon—boy, you were really going after all the doctors and first responders—was repairing his wound— I got pictures because my mother's a veterinarian and I would watch her perform surgery on her patients, so this was fascinating to watch this man work. David was in good spirits, as he hadn't broken any bones, merely cleanly severed the tendon in his big toe. The attending nurses who observed the procedure, were also wildly attractive. And while David continued to apologize for ruining my birthday, I kept assuring him that all was well. You're going to be okay. You didn't break any bones. And I've been surrounded by pretty people all day. (laughs) Trust me, dear, I'm fine. Plus, a 32nd birthday is not that notable. Yes, it is. Happy 32nd birthday. The surgeon stitched him up, gave him all kinds of gauze, betadine pads, and wraps. He was fitted with a leg boot and crutches, prescribed amoxicillin, and home we went. His stitches come out this coming Tuesday. That's tomorrow. I know he'll be ready for them to come out. Now, here's finally the good news. His favorite band, Blind Guardian, had announced in 2020 they would tour off one of their albums in full Germany. Because of a certain virus, the band kept pushing back the dates until it was finally scheduled for September 2022. We had these tickets for two years, and we weren't about to miss a chance to go to Bavaria and see them perform. I'm very pleased to say that with the help of a knee scooter, coordination with the airline, And the wondrous efficiency of Deutsche Bahn, he and I were able to make it to the show and enjoy a long Labor Day weekend in Munich. As a bonus, we were also able to see one of my bucket list places, Schloss Neuschwanstein. Let's see, Neuschwanstein. Schloss Neuschwanstein, Castle. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what that is. He powered through that intense hike with the scooter for me so I could see this castle and take the picture I've included. I was right, it's a castle. I think that's what Schloss means. It's been a while since I've been there. I couldn't be more blessed than to call this man my husband, the one whom my soul loves. If you hear this, stay," I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, I know I love you with every cell in my being and I will count it among my life's highest blessings that you climbed that mountain with me to see this magnificent sight. Now there's a link here. What happens if I click on this? Oh, no, nope. it's a redirect notice. So I think it might have been a pronunciation key of Karaste. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Anyway, thank you, A.G. and D.G., for letting me share this with you. We're now back from our travels and ready to exert our efforts to flip Pennsylvania's Senate seat and making urgent calls from our little corner in Maryland. Keep up the good work and remember to take time for yourselves to see the sights you've long wanted to see. A.G., go to Iceland at your earliest chance. It is otherworldly. All my love to you both. And there it is. There is the Schloss Neuschwanstein. It is beautiful. How do you even get up there? Wow. Absolutely beautiful. The sky is blue. The green just forever. Ah, Thank you for sharing that. And um, I'm glad his foot's okay. And uh, happy 32nd birthday. And thanks to everybody for sending in your good news. If you have good news, please send it to us. We're going to need it this week. There's going to be a lot of news. It's not going to slow down, I'm afraid. I know we're going to probably get some more committee hearings in the coming weeks. And then, you know, I, I don't think that, uh, we, you know, we, we're going to see some more from this affidavit. We might learn more about what kind of documents were stolen. Maybe that some were lost. Maybe that some were compromised. So. And we are going to need the good news. Send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. I'll be back tomorrow with Dana from D.C. And uh, yes, I will take pictures. And thank you, everyone who listens to this show. It's because of y'all that I get to go to the White House. So I feel like you're all going with me. So I will definitely be posting a lot of photos. And uh, I could not have done this without you. So thank you. Until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. I've been A.G., and them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill, with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit MSWmedia.com. MSW Media.